you snuck those jockeys in a flyby on my tower and over 400 nuts. I want somebody's butt. I want it now. I'm at it. Oh, oh. God damn it. That's twice. I want some butts. Well, that'll just about cover the flyby. experience uh, with D-Box. So, uh, <laughs> she was, uh, she was wild. It was, it was, I want to see gremlins with that. <laughs> like, they have gremlins with that. I saw I saw Fast 10 with that and that was pretty fucking sick. <laughs> so I want to ask this question. Maybe it doesn't get answered to the end, but I'm just going to throw it out there. Is it possible that Top Gun Maverick is a better movie than Top Gun, but at the same time, a worse movie than Top Gun? I would say it's better in almost every way, except for that Top Gun was made in the late 80s. And, like, you can't buy that now. <laughs> That's sort of, <laughs> like... I, but I think it's genuinely, like, a better movie. I think that... I'm stealing this from a tweet that was shared in our work chat. I think that Top Gun 2 Maverick makes Top Gun 1 look like Morbius. Wow. And crazy. I was not real high on Top Gun 1 to begin with. Uh, I also have written notes from Greg about this. Uh, so I have certain points that I am supposed to make on his behalf because he's <laughs> working tonight. Shit. Well, <laughs> well, I feel like I'm the, of the three of us, I think I'm, I may be the biggest Top Gun fan. I to be clear, I like OG Top Gun. Like I genuinely do, but it's like it's sort of a mishmash of nonsense. But I like it. Oh, it, it is. It's it's a mishmash of of cocaine of of army. Hey 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 hey! There's no army. cocaine in the navy. Let's get one thing clear here. <laughs> well, they got them queers though. No, no, they have them Scientologists, and that's all. They don't believe in psychology. They don't. Nah, they, that's what they have. Call it what it is. Hilarious. So do we, do, do we want to start with the notes from Greg about the OG Top Gun? Well, so Greg's notes are entirely about Top Gun 2, except for the note about Top Gun, which is Top Gun doesn't work for me because there are no stakes except Tom Cruise's ego. I mean, the stakes are these are men in love, but they don't know how to say that they're in love with each other. I mean. All right. Listen, I'm usually the one with the, the queer subtext goggles. <laughs> Oh, it, it's I. You know the funny thing is, I think that Top Gun One, it's it's there. It's and it's so apparent in the the Maverick Iceman tension, the the multiple the, uh, scandally clad shower scenes. Wait, respectfully, what the fuck are you talking about? If it's Hold present on, you, with anyone, it's present with Maverick and Goose. 
that's my it's that's just, my take. Like uh, respectfully is like unrequited fuck? love between yeah. Goose oh, and Maverick. And, <laughs> and then he yeah no, and then he kills him and is like, I thought he was a gay, so I killed him and like you know whatever, it's fine. Hilarious. Yeah no that what. <laughs> I, I, I think the bite, man, the Valkymer bite. You guys really are cowboys. What's your problem, Kazansky? You're everyone's problem. That's because every time you go up in the air, you're unsafe. I don't like you because you're dangerous. That's right. Nice, man. I am dangerous. It's just something about that weird ass bite that he did, man. We are already in the danger zone. We are I mean, like <laughs> ten minutes into this podcast. The we hottest true. take I have about Top Gun One is that, like, and I think we can all agree on this. Like, Iceman is the good guy and is right. Yes. About it. Uh, yes. <laughs> no, like, literally. If we really want to get into it, Tom Cruise is the villain of Top Gun One. So my, <laughs> because my... there's no other villain. So yeah. you gotta have something. And also, like, the thing that struck me is that he and Goose literally had a conversation where Goose was like, if you keep flying like this, you will kill me. And yeah. Tom Cruise is like, I will stop. Yep. And then he doesn't, and nope. he murders his friend. Well, I don't know, murder? A homicide it is entirely, it, so it is an accident due to plane mechanics but it is a situation they never would have been put in if Maverick had kept his promise. Touche. Um, Touche. So uh, I have a lot of problems with this movie, uh, and we'll, we'll get into them all. Oh, I, but the the army investigated. Are we not? Are we not going to trust the navy? These the navy investigated these? and said that it was a mechanical failure. The line <laughs> that they used was a mechanical failure. <laughs> not an ego trip. I mean, that is how it happened. That is how they wound up in the situation. My byline for Top Gun 2 Maverick is men would literally crash two multi-billion dollar planes instead of going to therapy. But uh, it's fine. So, all right. Iceman is definitely the protagonist of Top Gun. He is the hero. He is right. I, I will throw down about this. For me, I think that the tension that exists is between him and goose especially in that scene where they're like talking about like oh they're abused children that's why they act like this i'm like oh so oh it's it's like that and then it's not like that but i'm gonna like try to scrub as many of the serial numbers off of this as possible and still tell this story but recently i was at an event where i had to spend a lot of time with old white men and Uh, one of the old white men is a very nice guy but he insists on doing his job without any help And that is often at the detriment to the customer, but he just doesn't trust anybody else to do their job that they're trained to do as well as he imagines he knows how to do their job. Okay. And so I started calling this person Maverick. And (laughs) his response was, you really think I'm cool like Maverick? To which I said, yes, you are just as cool as the guy who murdered his best friend through negligence. Tyler Durden was a really cool guy. Like, I don't know what we're talking about Listen, one of my AKAs on this very podcast is the Tyler Durdens of the DMs. So, like, I I get it. But I do think it's kind of worth saying that, like, there's a whole generation of men that grew up thinking that, like, 
oh, I don't like play by the rules and like people will die, but it will be fine because I'm cool. And like, that's the age, baby. I have never realized more that like we have failed a generation of men by being like (laughs) Top Gun is the standard until the weekend after I watched Top Gun and realized like, oh man, this guy is 43 and thinks I just paid him the highest compliment when I was was going to say he's 45. (laughs) When I was actually like, man, remember that like, Actual murderer. Actual murderer. So. Also, we just appreciate that the the, the resolution of this movie is that he feels sad for five days and still is able to save the day at the end. It's five days from when he kills Goose to when he gets back in a cockpit. I mean, hey, these cocaine blasts, man. Life just moves fast. It just moves so fast. I would like to take a minute to talk about the un- uncategorically best thing about that movie, which is Charlie. I think mm-hmm. she is wonderful. I want her to be president. But I also am like, oh, in is. what world would she uh, like give up possibly her job at the Pentagon for a guy? Like, <laughs> And then also, in what world would they not bring her back for the sequel because they said she was too ugly? Uh, that's no. a bummer. That's that uh, sucks. I mean, I, I, I'll into later. I'll get into the like Jennifer Connelly may have been my first crush. <laughs> like <laughs> this was pretty in my wheelhouse. <laughs> yeah, nice. no, and I I like what they chose to do with that character, but like, yeah, no, it, it's because they needed someone who is as pretty at sixty five years old as Tom Cruise is. And they decided that she was not it because she looks like an actual 65-year-old. God damn. I will fight about this. Hollywood going Hollywood. Jesus Christ. Yeah. 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 But no, Um, she's actually, but she is literally great in this movie. Like, she is, mm -hmm. she's a a smoke show. 10 out of 10. Love her. It's a long cruise, wasn't it, Sailor? It's too long. What do you want to do? Just drop right down on the tile and go for it? Actually, I have this counter in mind. Great, that would be very, very comfortable, yeah. It could be. Actually, I came in here to save you from making a big mistake with that over guy. Really? So I could go on to a bigger one with a young guy like yourself? Maybe. I think Dan already kind of talked about this a little bit, but the 80s-ness of Top Gun, that's something that's right of my wheelhouse. I think the the soundtrack, the the overly macho bullshit, like, it just, it harkens back to a time when we were a country fueled by crack and cocaine and, and capitalism and Republicans. The opening <laughs> credit sequence of Top Gun 1 is one of the finest pieces of film shown on screen ever. That like, was it, actually my favorite part of the movie by a lot. It's, it's <laughs> and the fact that they did, I'll be, I don't want to keep jumping ahead, but the fact that they copied it shot for shot again was like, yeah. great. Like, you did the right thing. So, the worst part is we went to go see it, and uh, the first, like, minute and a half played with music, but no uh, visuals. Oh, no. 
So that we missed oh. the first like minute and a half of the credits and I was so mad. But then like a guy came out and he goes, it's the same, but the planes are faster now. <laughs> like, He's not wrong. Open, and opening I, night I, of Top yeah. Gun Maverick guy comes out in at the 430 show in a the gr- like the grungiest looking polo shirt I've ever seen. Don't worry. It was the same. Just faster planes. And then that, goes back behind the, the thing. That's how you say from not dishing out refunds to everyone in the theater. Good job. It was buddy. 90 seconds. Just start it over. We got, Cal, we got I'm, glad, I'm glad you brought up planes. That's planes for me. And I say this as a 31 year old man. Planes are cool. I yes. like watching planes fly. I like watching in. I like watching pilots like do shit in a cockpit. All of these things sort of smooth out most bumps I have about both of these movies is like, yo, planes are really, really cool. And pilots do really cool stuff in planes. I think the second one, because it was a little bit more about like what it takes to be a pilot and a little bit less about like what it takes for you to stop being Tom Cruise for 10 goddamn seconds and actually be a fucking pilot made me like Maverick a lot better without the stakes. A hundred percent. But like, yeah, absolutely. Dan, you've seen Scream 2, right? I'm not, this is not Mm going to be falling on deaf ears. Okay. So my biggest observation is remember in Scream 2, where dumb boyfriend character gets up on the table and starts singing the Partridge family song. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Mickey goes, oh, he's doing Top Gun. Mm-hmm. Both contextually and musically, he is doing no such thing. And I am <laughs> viscerally upset about this still. And I feel the need to, to just get this. For speed? Get this. Get this out there. <laughs> I get why he said it. I get it. Then I I think it makes more sense if he had done You've Lost That Loving Feeling in that case because he is like, I love you, please don't push me away, and she is pushing him away. So it would have made mm. thematically more sense if he had literally done Top Gun. <laughs> Maybe they couldn't secure the rights. Maybe Wes I, Craven didn't have the juice. Who knows? I will also <laughs> like to say that uh, I know I made fun of the soundtrack uh, a lot on Twitter. Uh, and that is entirely because I think they only paid for, like, the iTunes preview of a couple songs and then, like, two full version oh, songs. Yeah. And, like, it is very noticeable. Uh, did you go through the list of the, the playlist I sent you? Yes. Did, did you notice that it said songs from and inspired by? Uh, yeah, Some of them are not in the movie. Much like the Spider-Man soundtrack. Two songs are in the movie. 21 of them are not. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> maybe it's like invisible sense that we can't pick up. Who the hell knows? <laughs> um, so, if I'm the only one that's going to defend OG Top Gun just for being fun as shit, and that's really all it gave us, I, I think Top fine. Gun is fun as shit. Yeah, it's 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 great. I'm sort of shocked by how well they landed a lot of emotional beats in Maverick, uh, and I think. They did. That's good because when there's no enemy to fight, there's it's nameless. Whatever country, who cares? You the the conflict is then transferred to interpersonal and emotional, yeah. and those I think every every flight is used as an emotional beat, and that's what you need because the action is about the emotions, not about fighting another country. 
I think you don't have any of that in Top Gun, which is fine. The original is like super goofy and silly, and I'm surprised they sort of updated it so beautifully. But um, I I do have to say the scene in the bar, I really liked that scene. And it's like in the first Top Gun, the original, where they're they're oh they were abused mm-hmm. as children and they're they're like cruising and all doing a terrible job and like whatever. Matt, you want to know who the best is? That's him, Iceman. It's the way he flies, ice cold, no mistakes. Just wears you down. You get bored, frustrated, do something stupid, and he's got you. Hey, hey, Slider. Thought you wanted to be a pilot, man. What happened? Goose, you're such a dickhead. Whose butt did you kiss to get in here, huh? Well, the list is long, but distinguished. Yeah, well, so's my Johnson. So you're flying with Iceman, huh? It's Mr. Iceman to you. Hey, Mother Goose, how's it going? I'm doing good, Tom. This is Pete Mitchell, Tom Kazansky. Congratulations on Top Gun. Thank you. Sorry to hear about Cougar. He and I were like brothers in flight school. He was a good man. Still is a good man. Yeah, that's what I meant. Thought so. So you need any help? With what? You figured it out yet? What's that? Who's the best pilot? No, I think I can figure that one out on my own. I heard that about you. You like to work alone. Mav, you must have sold under a lucky star, huh? I mean, first the MiG, and then you guys slide into Cougar spot. No, we didn't slide into Cougar spot. It was ours, okay? Yeah, well, some pilots wait their whole career just to see a MiG up close. Guess you guys are lucky and famous, huh? No, you mean notorious. I'll see you later. You can count on it. They were abused children. We're gonna have a good time. Always. Always. The list is long and distinguished, just like my Johnson. I lived near a Navy base in college. And, like, I was very used to that level of, like... You had to kind of break through the crust of, like, the Navy guys hanging by the door to actually go have a nice night wherever you were going. (laughs) And, like, that was very much the vibe, and they got that really perfectly. And, like, it's it's a little bit playful, but it's not super harmful, which is nice, because sometimes it's gross. I like that he's embarrassing himself, and the movie understands that, like, what he's doing is dumb. And but like, that's like the only time they understand he's like dumb. this in a bar. It like yeah. it, assholes do this, but he's like a charming asshole, so it's mostly okay. That's the only time they acknowledge that he is a, like an asshole in any way. By the way, which I think is very <laughs> funny. Fair, yeah. Like even even uh, Meg Ryan is like he loved you, and like come on, <laughs> tell me that shit ain't gay. Um, like I. Listen, listen, I don't like blondes. And even I was like, ooh, Val Kilmer, henlo. But like, come <laughs> on. That is not, nah, Val Kilmer and Maverick are both fighting over Goose, is what it is. I mean, is that what the volleyball game was about? Winner gets Goose's heart? And maybe, <laughs> maybe other things. And it is. So I think Tom is, Skerritt crushes it in the first one, too. Like, And, yeah, there's some good yeah. side folks in that movie. I, I will just say, though, one thing I noticed, and this is a weird aesthetic choice. In every scene, no matter what they're doing, everybody in that movie is so fucking damp. Like, <laughs> they are all This new one, like, too. They're misting everyone down before every take. Little yeah, there were, there were a couple of scenes in this one where I was like, okay, I get it. Based on the vibe, perhaps it makes sense, 
But then there were a couple scenes where I was like, no. Why? <laughs> Tony Tony Scott like them boys what? I will also say, and I'm aware that this is jumping ahead, but I had a good like 40 minute long cackle about the fact that all of the the like little motion into uh, freeze frames at the end of Top Gun Maverick were them in their like hero poses. But then Tom Mm -hmm. Cruise's was him shirtless playing football. And I was like, I mean, (laughs) if I looked like him at 60, I'd want to show that shit off, too. I mean, this is also the first movie he acknowledges that he's almost 60. Like, he's, <laughs> and, and I say that, he, I think he's like 68, but he acknowledges he's nearing 60 for the first time in Top Gun Maverick. No, I think I think Top Gun is, like, fine, but it's another one of those movies that I feel has, like, a weirdly possibly damaging legacy, where, like, the sequel especially, like, is a surprisingly excellent dive into what it means to be masculine and, like, what it means mm-hmm. to win. And, like, I don't under- mm-hmm. like I don't understand why you would watch, like, show Top Gun to your kid except as a stepping stone to Maverick. Because Top Gun <laughs> is, like, listen, sometimes the things are going to be hard, but you're still going to win because you're a man in America. And, like, mm-hmm. that's not it, – it evokes, like – born in the usa or lil pink houses in in the way that those songs are saying that dream is dying and in 2022 that dream is really like it's on his last leg i will say though like val kilmer val kilmer for most of talk on one is a full-on like bulldoze the rec center 80s villain which is great it's a great except he's right no i i agree but he is then in the I, I'm just saying from the in the eyes of the movie he is not even redeemed at the end of the movie he was just he is shown and I love that they did this in the original and I love that they did this in the new one is that like despite being an asshole like these guys are not irredeemable they are like you know everyone high fives at the end because they like there was some teamwork and it's like schmaltzy and over the top but like I love that like in Maverick, they brought it. I forget the guy's name. I already, I forget everybody's name. The, the like actual, the, another eighties villain uh, guy uh, comes back and like saves the day. And it's not like a, and I told you so it's a, it's handled very smoothly. I just, yeah. I think that's, a, that's a lesson you can take from the original is like the bad guy of the movie had his own perspective and, I, and his perspective was right. <laughs> like, Well, it, it really yeah. seems like he's like, we need to tear down the rec center and everyone doesn't let him finish. And he's like, we need to tear down <laughs> yeah. the rec center because it has lead paint and that's not safe for children. And there's <laughs> and asbestos in the ceilings. And, yeah. yeah. And like, but everyone's like, oh, he said, we need to tear down the rec center. Also, does anyone know why my kid has three eyes? Like, and it's like. <laughs> also, look at his jaw. We have to listen to him. He tells Tom Cruise the truth about himself and Maverick, and he still doesn't fucking listen at all. <laughs> yeah, and and the thing that I really like about him in that movie, though, is that he's like, all right, cool, it worked this time. Like, he's still very, mm-hmm. like, and and then, like, let us again uh, acknowledge who in the sequel uh, rised through the ranks and who did not. Yeah. I don't know if you guys watch the YouTube channel Legal Eagle, but he is an honest to God practicing lawyer and he's very good. And he was like, yeah, so in Top Gun, 17 separate war crimes are committed. Oh, wow. Like just in the last <laughs> half, 
He's like, yeah, so when everyone abandons their posts to go cheer on Maverick, everyone there is going to jail for insubordination. Every single one of them. It's <laughs> like... I think that there are a lot of nice touches, like the attention to detail is something that I always appreciate in a movie, even if I think the movie is not like exemplary. And this one has a lot of those. Now, that said, I don't know if either of you read all the way to the bottom of my Twitter thread, but with five minutes left of the movie, my TV disconnected from the Internet and I couldn't get it to connect again. So I had to finish it on an iPad mini. Okay. Oh, shit. Okay. And I, I posted my little seltzer can for scale. <sighs> I'm sure that's exactly how Tony Scott intended it, right? Like, that was the plan? Yeah, okay, great. Live from an undisclosed location in a basement in New York City, it's me, Craig, ruler, well, mayor of Dimension X and the producer of the hottest new pod in that dimension or this one, the Shredhead Pod, starring the Blasian Batty, AKA Google Chrome Dome, AKA Ado Nobu Nigga, AKA my best friend, Oroku Saki, AKA The Shredder. And we put aside our differences with the Ninja Turtles to be your weekly source of hot takes, sports, and entertainment news. Stay all the way and hear who Saki is named as his Cretan of the Week and find something valuable in the shred commendations. So we'll see you on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever your pods are cast. The Shredhead Pod is a member of the Hyphen Podcast Group. I have one observation that as soon as we officially flip over to Top Gun Maverick, I'm going to just shout because I noticed it and it really upset me. Also, in the interest of full disclosure, I know, like, way too much about the psychology of uh, drone operators because I, like, did a project about that in college. So we're going to talk about that, too. But, uh, like. <laughs> well, I, I think I think we can make the flip now. Uh, I think I think there's a cascading like of the original, but that's OK. But I think we're all kind of in agreement that Maverick is is a fucking ride of excellence so let's dive into it kit kat take it away jennifer connelly lives in charlie's house is that her house yes i didn't think it was it's her house it's the same number it's the same porch but can we talk about how top gun maverick opens with a scene where tom cruise tries to fly a plane into heaven to talk to Goose because that's what he's trying to do in the beginning of that movie. And he almost kills himself trying to talk to Goose like he says in the rest of the movie. It's a fucking opening to a movie. He really pulls a Porco Rosso where he's like, I got to find that weird belt where all the dead pilots go. Yeah, exactly. He is searching for that space. And it's so weird. And the fact that no one's talking about how <laughs> fucking weird that opening is, is driving me crazy. Because it's amazing I, and it's so weird. So I feel like it's kind of assumed at this point because Tom Cruise is an executive producer that he like definitely ghost directed this here picture show. And uh, I definitely feel like that is one of those weird moments where it's like, tell me your kink is Jesus without telling me your kink is Jesus. <laughs> Like, where he's like, I'm being really slick about this, actually, by, like, making it a SpaceX plane and for the goal to be to go to Mach 10. Like, no one's going to notice that I'm actually 
trying to fly to heaven to talk to my friend that in the eyes of the Navy, I did not murder, but like I definitely murdered. He feels bad about He, he totally feels bad so, about killing as, as So here's the thing. My big issue with the first Top Gun is that he feels bad for five days. And then his commanding officer says, you could feel bad or you could stop feeling bad. And he chooses to mm-hmm. stop feeling bad. And it is implied that that is like the end. Like he throws the dog tags over the yep, side. He says see goodbye to him and it's over. Like he's like, well, I murdered you, but it's been five days. The morning veil is coming off. I'm going to go kill this insert nation here person and everything's going to be great. And then this one, I think, does a really beautiful job of showing like the opposite side of that because Mm -hmm. PTSD is incredibly common with combat pilots as well as like either substance abuse problems or just straight up workaholicness, oftentimes as a subsect of that PTSD. Uh, And considering that Tom Cruise is a Scientologist and thusly very publicly does not believe in psychology, I do think it's really interesting that this movie gets as deep in that way as it does. Like there are no scenes Mm -hmm. of him on like a couch with like, and tell me about your maza. Like there's nothing like that, but like, Uh, but he got the bed scene though. This is also just an incredibly (laughs) cerebral movie for a guy who does not believe that like certain aspects of brain science are real. And I mean that as a compliment, but I also (laughs) wonder if part of that is because it buys in on the, very military industrial complex idea that mental health isn't real. So by, by leaning into this thing that is innate about his belief system, he is able to dovetail it to another related belief Mm -hmm. system in a way that I think the picture is stronger for, because at no point is he like, I'm sad and I need help. People just figure it out because it's fucking Mm -hmm. obvious to everyone else, including ice, by the way, who, like, has a beautiful life and, like, a beautiful family and has clearly been, like, working for a really long time to get out from under the shadow of what being a combat pilot does to a man. Mm-hmm. Like, the contrast between the two of them is really interesting in that, that way. Scene, that scene is incredible. The grace with which that scene was handled is is yes. pretty unreal. You don't see that from a lot of Tom Cruise movies in the last, what, decade, basically? You don't see that or, from a or lot any of movies. movies. Yeah. (laughs) The fact that they gave him a scene where he was able to act within the limitations that he Mm -hmm. was actively having at the time. And not only that, like you can like the the character is hurting and you can tell that he is hurting. But you can also see this like sparkle in Val Kilmer's eyes that he is getting to act like if you've watched his documentary. One of the things that he says is he's like, I can't do the thing I love to do anymore. Like, the reason I used to get up every day is being taken from me every day. So the fact that they managed to put that together for him in a way that is so impactful and so powerful. And then, and then he speaks, but not in a way that feels like he's proving anything to anyone. Yes. He's like, yeah. I need to make I need to make a point to you, you fucking idiot. So I'm going to talk. And like, then that's, also that's why the, he's talking. The last line is still, all right, you fucking idiot. Yeah. Since, <laughs> since I'm up and talking anyway. Yes, exactly. Um, since since I have already put my my very little vocal power on the line for you, let's uh, let's settle this. It's crazy. Yeah. We talked about this a little bit in the Coda episode about how I feel like disability cinema is starting to have a moment 
in a mm-hmm. way that it probably should have started having way before now, but whatever, here we are. I don't think people understand how revolutionary it is to see something like this in like a mainstream release. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where like, yes, he he passes and that's really sad, but like for those of you that saw the Jay and Silent Bob reboot, what they did to not. him there is way less respectful and dignified. They portray him as a vegetable. Oh, damn. They're just constantly shitting on the fact that he's dying. And apparently, like, he was given an alternate cut of the script that didn't have a lot of that in it. And they basically, like, counted on him not being well enough to, like, attend the premiere to, like, not raise a shit about it. That's so fucked up. Jesus Christ. And that shit bothers me. Because, like, I, I met Val Kilmer briefly in... 2018 because he was doing or 2019 he was doing a comic-con in connecticut and he looked terrible and people were acting like he looked terrible and so i just saw him at his table like doing autographs and i gave him a big smile and i waved and i kept walking and like one of his aides came up to me and was like you were why were you so nice to him (laughs) i was like because i see the way people are looking at him and that's bullshit he's still val kilmer it's Iceman, you idiot (laughs) Yeah, I was yeah. like, motherfuckers, like, have you seen his jawline? Hello. <laughs> like, and perhaps it's because I have loved and known a lot of people who have fought cancer, including people who have lost their, like, own respective fights with it and whatever. But, like, my best friend, who I used to do the Ren Fair performing with, he got sick and he still just wanted to perform. So he found ways to do it, oftentimes putting other aspects of his physical health severely in jeopardy. And, like... The fact that they are like, yeah, that's a valid choice for him to make in a mainstream cinema release. They don't infantilize him. They don't make it a big deal. And like, yes, he dies, but he has to die like for the story. But also they made a story in such a way that it doesn't feel derived or like because Mm -hmm. we can't get any more use out of him. Yeah. Like it it, it is embarrassing that that is as revolutionary as it is. But also like I have to give credit where it's due. Like they did a beautiful job with that. And it's it's a movie about planes that go vroom vroom. So like no like no one is expecting that scene in that movie, and then it happens, and then you're just like Tom Cruise, you fucking did it. You risking your life for us was worth it because of this moment. So so yeah, like it, it is shitty that this is the exception and not the rule. But like you said with Coda and with this maybe we can eventually get it churning to where it is the rule and not the exception. I'm hoping that this is, and obviously not all disabilities are the same. I in no way mean to paint with that broad of a brush, but like the elevation of differently abled voices is starting. Mm -hmm. And I think that 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 can be really positive and I hope it continues to be really positive. But I also think like, again, this movie looks at masculinity and what it means to win in very, cool ways that i was not expecting from this thing like first of all the fact that they portray like iceman and maverick as like equally right Mm -hmm. where where (laughs) it's like well maverick couldn't fly without iceman because iceman kept getting his ass out of jams but like iceman (laughs) wouldn't couldn't couldn't be brave without maverick like that's as close as we're ever gonna get to like acknowledgement that they like were both right and i love No, he pushed Charlie away because he was too busy pining over Goose. The masculine name Charlie? (laughs) Yeah, I'll fight about this. 
Oh, yeah, speaking I'm, of, like, the Connolly stuff is so good and handled so beautifully, and they portray her as a woman who's, like, lived life and doesn't want to put up with a guy who doesn't know what he wants or needs. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, no shit. I love that they very quickly in the movie go, like, yo, it's not his kid. <laughs> like, very, you know, they spell that <laughs> out, which is, like, there's no ambiguity about that. But then also later, like, I think the scene where he jumps out of the window and like he sees her there is is great. super dumb and like contrived for a movie but also like what she says is such an emotional gut punch that I don't care like it it works perfectly to like don't it, don't it hurt is... my mom again like I know I know you're a good guy but I know you've hurt her before so like I need this... you if you're if, like take it seriously this time the swing also, in the movie like, theater was so palpable. Like, everyone laughed, and then as soon as she said that, there was, like, audible groaning, like, oh, damn. Ooh, she oh, really yeah. fuck. Yes, it's very contrived in, like, the concept of a movie, but these movies are not exactly traditionally known for, for tilling new fields, you know? <laughs> the fact that we got a scene that tilled a new-ish field at all is kind of miraculous. <laughs> first of all i liked that kid it's really hard to find kid actors Mm -hmm. but like she in every scene she's in even when she's doing her home you can't see her in the whole thing but she's doing her homework in the bar in the first scene with all of them and she you can just see her listening you Mm -hmm. know she's hearing every single thing and like she's probably got like a meticulous live journal that's got like every single beat of that scene written out and, like, I really appreciate that characterization for a character who ultimately does not, like, do much. Yeah. But also, like, she sees him and she, she says, hi, Mav. And then he walks by and she, I don't know if you saw, but she just goes, <sighs> like, her face just <laughs> falls. And she's like, here we go again. Like, but also I, I dig the, the Jennifer Connelly character a lot because I really did like Charlie. And I kind of was hoping that they were, like... If she was going to give up all this bullshit for him, I kind of hoped that it would be, like, the the forever and always. But also mm-hmm. the, the idea that, like, he doesn't know how to do that because he killed his forever and always in a bizarre <laughs> airplane accident. Always. That makes sense to me. And the idea that, like, this woman who has, has worked and, and run several bars in predominantly military towns and they keep running into each other every time he's on leave or like on, you know, stateside or whatever. And like, I dig that. I dig that as mm-hmm. the, like, it's very, will they, won't they, but they did. And like, I dig it a lot. No, she's just like, she's so beautiful. The thing that I liked about the first Top Gun is like everyone in that movie is super beautiful, but they all still look like real people. And this mm-hmm. one, I yeah. think this, this one has a little bit more of the like, instagram filteriness on it uh, if yeah. nothing else because tom cruise has has like an incredibly artful plastic surgeon but like jesus she looks like a woman that if you saw her you'd be like damn that's a beautiful woman but not like holy shit tom cruise is dating a 25 year old supermodel and like mm-hmm. i think that's a very distinctive difference in this case like i think it again is another acknowledgement of like tom cruise getting older which is really interesting to see. Yeah. yeah. But before we do the pivot, Dan, we, we need the crush origin stories. So we, we need a, where where did the crush come from? When did it start? Oh, is it Labyrinth? Uh, Labyrinth, yeah. Oh. Uh, and um, what's that movie where she's she plays in the Target at night? Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
Labyrinth is a, a an embarrassing movie for me because everyone's like, ah, oh, who is your first celebrity crush? And I was like, Julie Newmar in 1966 Batman movie. Well, actually, Lee Merriweather in 1966 <laughs> Batman movie. Career Opportunities is the name of that uh, movie. Career Opportunities. Uh, what I was thinking of. And they're like, oh, how old were you when you saw that? And I was like six. And they were like, D- who's your first guy? And I was like, David Bowie in Labyrinth. And they were like, how old were you for that one? And I was like, 14. It took me a while. <laughs> Just speaking as, a, as a, a, a person who aesthetically enjoys both genders, that movie is great for that because it mm-hmm. is two beautiful people and goblins. <laughs> I was happy, though, in the new one that the young cadets were not too Instagrammed out, despite, like, riding pretty close to the line and feeling like it caught it could have gone over without too much trouble. All of those people felt like human beings. Except yes. for Hangman. <laughs> so he was in a show that I really loved. He was on Scream Queens, which I don't know if you guys uh, yeah. ever saw, but that is a re- it's a really good show. And in that show, he played just like a total idiot. Like he was <laughs> like not not one brain cell between them eyes, not a thought in that head. As our great 60th president, John Kennedy Jr. said, the only thing we have to fear, it's fear itself. Well, in this case, serial murders too. But we're not afraid of either of those things. Uh-uh. So... Canceling Halloween sucks. Well, well, thank you. I have no idea how you got into this college. And it was really funny. Like, it was really lovely actually getting to see him act. But even even him, like, having that chiseled jaw, like, giving him that attitude. Again, I don't mean to be like, oh, I know so much about, like, the military. But, like, the hot idiots in the Navy always acted exactly like that. <laughs> and for a while, I thought they were calling him Hangman because on his helmet, letters are missing. I assumed it was because he couldn't read. <laughs> and like, if you had told me that, I would have been like, yes, of course. Except that, like I said before, every time he like speaks up in one of those briefing r- meetings, every point he makes is like not dumb. Like he, yeah. like I like that they like show like, yeah, this guy's a this guy is is full of ego, but also like he's right again. But like he, about a lot of stuff. He is Maverick. He is positioned yeah, oh, to yeah. be this series. Yes, ab- absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Miles Teller is obviously set up to be Goose, which we'll come back to Miles Teller. I have some strong opinions about Miles Teller. But I also feel <laughs> that it's worth acknowledging that his character on Scream Queens, a show that I maintain is serially under underrated was named Chad Radwell. Oh, man, hey. Yeah, that's that checks out. Given he what looks that guy's like a Chad Radwell. Like. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Even though he's, like, very pretty and that's kind of bullshit, like, he's for sure got the attitude down. And John mm. Hamm also has the attitude down. Ooh. He was a pleasant surprise <laughs> for me. Love a little sprinkle of ham on top. Yeah, oh, yeah, listen. <laughs> inappropriate things. Anyway. Hilarious. I also feel like they all just looked like, and this is probably going to sound like a little bit shitty, but I don't mean it to. They all looked like appropriately tired. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. A little because grizzled. I, yeah. Liked, I liked Bob. I Oh, my God. Long live Bob. 
I feel like Bob's gonna be the underrated star coming out of this movie. A guy just totally like eschewing uh, the the call sign completely, and he's just like, no, that's silly. <laughs> like, why would I? Why would I call? <laughs> my name is Bob. You can call me that. <laughs> that's my well, name. There's one throwaway joke where they're like, only people with friends get call signs. Oh, yeah. Right. Uh, In that um, same scene. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, the idea is that, like, someone gives it to you. You don't, like, pick it yourself. And he never got Mm -hmm. one. So he's just Bob. And so then I I kind of got a kick out of the fact that everyone was trying to go, like, oh, well, Bob is actually – but then at the same time, like, he just proves that he's good enough as Bob. And everyone is like, damn, he's just good enough as Bob. So I guess it's just Bob. Like He's great enough as Bob. Love Bob. <laughs> exactly. And, like, I think that's – there's some really interesting, very subtle deconstructions of, like, masculinity and other bullshit in here by him just, like, proving he's good enough as is. And yeah. then everybody just being like, oh, well, that's fucking Bob. Like <laughs> – the bob like and i think that's really it was a pleasant surprise to me given how kind of toxically masculine a lot of the aspects of the first movie were so i know we kind of talked about the scene with um maverick and iceman which i think we can all kind of agree that beyond kind of the aerial kind of spectacularness of maverick that's probably the best scene of both movies combined but what would we say would be beyond that? What would we say would be our favorite scene from Top Gun Maverick? Can Can I just say that if Val Kilmer doesn't at least get Oscar buzz for that scene, I'll be shocked. Like I I doubt he will get it or he'll get the win, but I feel like it will at least come up in the conversation. It'll come up because it's, yeah, it's it's too early in the year, but it should be buzz at least. Yeah, so. no, I I think it'll come up, and like who knows, maybe he gets a fluke nomination if it ends up being a weird year. Even if it kind of parlays into like like a like a lifetime, lifetime. achievement, yeah, that's mm-hmm. that'd be totally worth it. I, I'll be down for that. In terms of my favorite scene in this movie, I know I made the joke about uh, men would rather crash to multi-billion-dollar planes than go to therapy, but the scene there's there's two that come to mind. One is where Maverick walks into the diner in his like space helmet and he says, "Where oh, am I?" Yeah. And the little kid says, <laughs> "Earth." So good. That just sent me like I over the moon. That was great. But the other one is when he sees Miles Teller like they crash and he was like, what are you doing here? And he's like, I took that hit because so you wouldn't have to. He's like, I'm just saving your life, asshole. And I was like, (laughs) this is like the only way they were ever going to get through this. Yeah. Yeah. Because like you could tell that whole scene. And I I hate to say nice things about Miles Teller. I really, truly do. I have read some things about him that have given me a lot of pause about him. Not that I was a particularly big fan of his to begin with, but, like, I have a lot of concerns about him. Yeah. Regardless, I have to give credit where it's due. You can see in the scene, even when he is doing well, he is questioning if if he is only there because Maverick feels sorry for him. Mm -hmm. And so when they actually have this hash out and they have this fight and they have this reconciliation it really lands yeah because as even I though said, how quickly they get buddy buddy right after that is like the only real emotional jump of this movie that i feel is like cheating is like how father son they are as they're like stealing the plane which is fine you got to get there like i but understand I also, it, but i also i also feel it's like a weird jump he said four years ago he pulled his papers and set them back four years and they were like father and son before that 
So assuming that he's yeah. 29, like this That's man has yeah, been yeah, yeah. his dad for 26, no, 20, 20-ish years. Yeah. And he has been holding this one resentment against him. And then he punches him in the face and he feels better and, and their father and son again. I told Kat one of my one of my favorite things about the movie was that I'm really glad they didn't make him resent Maverick for Goose's death. That's just a non sequitur. Like he worked that shit out. They're beyond that. I'm really yeah. glad they didn't really try to exploit that. That was really smart from them to yeah. not do. The other thing that I really liked in this scene really kind of caught me off guard. I really liked his relationship with Hondo, like uh, Maverick's relationship with Hondo a lot. Oh, yeah. And uh, when he says, if I don't get back from this, like, thank you for everything. And he says, it's been a pleasure flying with you. And it was just like a very small scene. But like this movie is just full of moments of male tenderness that I feel like given the fact that like Tom Cruise is kind of his action movie persona doesn't have that. The fact that Um, this movie is just like full of of these moments like, you could probably mm-hmm. make trading cards of just, like, moments of male tenderness in this movie, and you would have a lot. Um, Even him looking through the window at Rooster at the piano as he gets kicked out of the bar, which is also a really fun scene of him getting thrown out. But, oh, yeah. like, I thought, even though I think, like, flashbacks interspersed to, like, show you what he's remembering is sort of a lazy trope, the scene where he looks in through the window and, like, the way Miles Teller is evoking Goose at the piano is crazy looking and like you can see like as tom cruise walks by he goes he looks in and goes oh there's goose and like it's really you can see how that would like really damage him in that moment also say my favorite scene of the movie is is when uh he he shows that the mission can be done uh is like they drop all the they drop the music out like which is a thing that in action scenes always really hits for me and like a car chase or a flight scene where they drop the music way down and all you hear is the engine and him just slamming the pedals of the plane back yeah. and forth to just rotate. Like for me, that's the action climax of the movie. Like everything at the end is, is cool. But like the scene of him doing that was a perfect encapsulation. Also, I'll just say, all the scenes of them flying low through the canyons are shot in a place called the Mock Loop in Wales. It's a real place. Mm. Uh, it's where pilots from all over, all around NATO, will go and and learn how to fly in canyons. It's like a it's a specific route they do to learn that kind of flying. So like they were doing that in the real place where they do that, and it looks amazing. It's crazy that they like go from Wales into the salt flats <laughs> over and over yeah. again like that. That transition's yeah. really weird, but. God, that scene of of him doing that whole sequence in real time was incredible. Just incredible. We shouted out John Hamm for a little bit. I think one of my favorite mm-hmm. scenes was, well, either we uh, fly you or we don't. And then as soon as Mark was going to step up, the guy next to him says, I think that was a rhetorical question. <laughs> like, yeah. I just, like, like, <laughs> like, uh, you're going to fly, Maverick. Like, yeah, like, I lo- shout out to Warlock. Like, yes, you're going to fly, Maverick. Shut up. You don't need to talk right now. <laughs> the other scene that I just really liked and that made me, like, very, like, there's two things I'm going to touch on in this. One is the camaraderie that exists when they fail the drill or when mm-hmm. they try to do the G, the, the, the 9.5 G incline and they can't do it and the the team building that that builds even without the football and everything like the trying together and failing together 
creates this beautiful consistency between the team and the fact that like by the end hangman is like let me go find him and they're like no Mm -hmm. and it's not about like glory at that point for him you can just tell he's like one of our team members is like gone let me go help yeah 100 percent is is really good um the other one that i i really appreciated is again here i am talking about male tenderness and it's probably just because i like that shit when maverick takes his wings off and gives him to ice. Yeah. It really lands. Because that is a thing that happens. That is a thing I have seen happen. And it is never ever done with anything less than one's like full chest. Like mm-hmm. that is such a, yeah. a moment that I think people outside. Like I don't even pretend to understand. But I do understand that I don't understand. Like that is giving a part of yourself to someone. And that is only reserved for people who have really been there for you or stood up for you. And the fact that Maverick is still able to fly is entirely because of ice and like that dynamic, like that's the closest to like hearing two straight asterisks men saying, I love you (laughs) that a movie like this is going to give. Well, speaking of, speaking of straight, I'm watching Top Gun OG right now and I'm at the scene. It's, it's the shower. (laughs) It's the shower locker room scene when the chastising Maverick for flying recklessly per usual. And he's making a promise to Goose that he won't do it again per usual. And he totally does it again per usual. So I think one of the things that I love about the original is just in a fun way. We talked about the agingness of it, but also kind of like homoeroticism and kind of underlying tension, which is fun to talk about, but, did you guys think that there was any of that in this new movie? Because I think the most interesting thing that I kind of noticed, especially the second time watching it, was the iconic volleyball scene in the first movie. Tony Scott had it broad daylight, no shadows, all tan. For lines. the moms. Um. Well, it was, uh, it was for a lot of people. <laughs> but but in this one, though, in Maverick, even though there was a beach scene and there, there'd be like every now and then you get a flash of a nab or a chesticle. But there wasn't it was a lot in shadows, a lot of shadowy figures kind of running around on the beach. So was the underlying tension just completely removed from this new movie? I wonder if some of that is just because tastes have changed. We don't need stuff presented to us on a dish anymore. Like, the MCU is a great example of that. Do you have any idea how many people thought Tony fu- uh, Tony Stark and Steve Rogers were fucking? You want to know why they thought that? Because they wanted to think that. Hilarious. Like, I think that there's a really weird, like, I don't know how to describe it, but, like, we don't need the idea that, like, oh, maybe this is erotic, like, given to us in the way that we it was more common to do in the 80s. I'm not sure we needed it then either, but like we all had to pretend we did. Also, there's so much more animosity in the original. It's way more of a malice-filled scene and it's not it's not like fucked up. It's just like Ice and Maverick still really hate each other in that moment or whatever. Whereas this is is so much camaraderie. It's a, it's a very it's coming in from a very different point of entry. I also think there's something to like having a woman there yeah. even one sort of changes the temperature of the scene quite a bit. Yeah, I was going to say cuz Phoenix I, is there there's no shower scenes. I think <laughs> even if they even if they did get very torsoy with the the football scene, 
there's a couple ways that could this could be misconstrued if we were going for homoerotic. One, all the men are competing for her attention because she's a lady. Two, mm. they're all trying to make her feel inferior because she's a lady. Oh, like there's there, too. when you add a woman into the equation, I think it becomes a lot less like, oh, are they gay? And a lot more of like, which one of them is going to get her? Which is yeah. I love society- this movie ignores her, her in that way, which is yes. such a good move. So smart I, to do that. I will also say a lot of that is a societal problem. So the fact that she is equal in in Top Gun and in Top Gun they are all these shadowy, non-sexualized figures, except for Tom Cruise, who comes running in like a beam of fucking golden light. Like, <laughs> cool. Thank you for taking one for the team, Tom Cruise. And continuing to convince the American public that you are a sex object. The other thing, though, that I just wanted to point out real quick. I just clicked on over to uh, the director's IMDb page here. Oh, two of my favorite movies of all time. Oblivion and Tron. I was going to bring him up because you you sort of tossed (laughs) off the director before. And I know you didn't mean it in that way. But, like, he's a a extremely talented visual storyteller who who has worked with Cruz before. And I, I see his touch on it, even though I agree. Tom had his hand in the pie on this one. But I think well, Joseph Kaczynski is a really terrific director. I do too, but I also am wondering like if Tom Cruise is the secret sauce for him. I wonder I if I mean I like I think Tron is an incredibly watchable dumb movie, but I, but I, I, I like Oblivion more than most people too. So I, I agree that Tron is a super watchable dumb movie, but I also feel like in a lot of ways Tron is someone going but the fifth element. And that's or not a, a music video, which is what it, it's a it's an yeah. hour long, hour and yeah. a half long Daft Punk music video, which in my book is Great. I will go I will pay twenty dollars to go see that in any theater any day. Disney but. Disneyland used to have a weekend every weekend dance party called Electronica, where they just hosted Tron themed raves. And now they have <laughs> actual shit. Tron themed raves in Disneyland Paris. So you can just like go oh, like drop drop Molly, I guess. I don't know what <laughs> rave people do anymore and go rave at Disneyland Paris from like 10 p.m. until 10 a.m. And then they'll like wheel you out. And the I'm not a raver and I still would do that. <laughs> I, I'm not a raver. I was a raver. So I never did like the drugs, but I was the designated driver for most of my friends to go rave. Mm. And I found that the secret is to drink three Red Bulls. And then dance for like six hours and then drive everyone home. (laughs) That is how to have the best time at a rave possible while remaining sober. But yeah, no, like I was just looking at it and I was like, so he's done like two sequels many years later and he hasn't done a ton of movies. Mm -mm. That's like a pretty specific MO to have. Yeah. I'm intrigued by this. I would love to like hear him talk about how he decides what projects to take on. Honestly, mm-hmm. it's weird that so, Christopher I mean, Corey didn't direct because he does everything with Cruz these days. But I, I believe yeah. he had a hand in the script, so he was also there. He has a Spider Head that may or may not come out this year, and that does star Miles Teller. So uh, who knows? It's kind of the juice will get transferred to Miles and him, but uh, we'll see. Part of me wonders, like, if you're making this movie, right? This movie was coming out in, or it was being made in 2018 was when it started filming, yeah. right? Do you think they understood how good of a movie they were making back then? Like, yeah, that's why they saved it. Well, I, I know Tom Cruise did. But also, if you want to find a picture, a person who has a higher opinion of Tom Cruise than Tom Cruise, like... I mean. <laughs> 
<laughs> you got me there, Kat. You got me fucking there. Yeah, and like he has so much influence over that area, you know, but I'm wondering about the rest of them. Because like well, now this movie is coming out four years after it was made, which is, I respect the choice, honestly. I had a lot of issues with Scream 5, but I feel like they knew they had something good and they wanted to release it in theaters. And they just happened to release it during the uh, single deadliest COVID or the single, not deadliest, <laughs> it was not the deadliest, the single uh, most active COVID wave so far. And that yeah. bit them in the ass. There have been a couple of specifically sequel movies from big franchises that have had the like oomph and the hype to stay back until they were ready, you know? And I think releasing Top Gun Maverick on Memorial Day. They that's knew a slam, what they were doing with that. That's a slam dunk right there. The only like the only thing I'm gonna say is that there are a shitload of immunocompromised veterans. Oh, Just a shitload. They um, don't want to talk about that. And uh, they can't get to theaters right now, and they have made it incredibly difficult to get streaming releases of this. I say this as someone who my uncle is is an immunocompromised veteran, and he kept asking me like every week during the pandemic, "Have you heard anything about Top Gun Maverick yet? Have you heard anything? Have they announced the release date?" And he can't go, yeah. and yeah. he doesn't know when he's going to be able to see it. And I think that's pretty shitty. I think yeah. there should be a way, perhaps like the way A24 did it during the pandemic, where you can rent it for 24 hours or whatever in a certain, you know, two day span or whatever. But like, I think that it's really shitty that a lot of the people who have had similar experiences to this because of things that the U.S. government exposed them to knowingly or not are now unable to see this movie that gives them the positive nostalgia bumps. Yeah. I, I I will say I think they are actually I think in a month I think it may be available because well I'm looking at Top Gun right now and today is May 31st and this is the last day that's going to be on Netflix so I think they're going to put the I think I'm going to couple it with um, Top Gun Maverick on VOD probably in a month or two so um, but, still I think uh, especially for a movie that appeals to a group that has a fairly uniform problem and also for once the number one killer of veterans in the last two years has not been suicide it's been COVID-19 and so let's call it what it is is low-key ableist in a movie that breaks down a lot of ableist barriers and if our podcast with our listenership of one million gets one person to send me a VOD code that I can send to one person who has literally asked me about Top Gun Maverick every week since 2018. I would really like to do that. When the bootleg comes, you, you know who to turn to, Kat. So. Yeah, you'll, you'll hook <laughs> but, me up. But I, I, I do think, to answer your original question, I do think the movie theater, uh, not movie theaters, but I think the, I think the studio understood what they had. But on the same token, I think because Tom Cruise is like a $10 billion box office draw for his career. I think they, they kind of knew well enough to know that people would turn out for this. And I've already seen it twice. I paid to see it early before the, the, the weekend release. And so I, I'm, I'm pretty sure a lot of people did that as well. So uh, I think they, I think they had the belief in them. Tom Cruise is a weird actor, man. I was, I was talking to a friend about this the other day about Top Gun Maverick and I was saying like he is potentially one of the most naturalistic 
actors alive. And like in terms of the little looks and the little body movements and the way he reacts to things, like there might be no better movie star in the world than him at those things. But like you tell me, hey Dan, picture Tom Cruise on a Thursday night. He's between movies. He's got nothing going on. Picture him in, at home. I can't. I cannot. Cannot. So, I, there's no world where I understand. He doesn't own a couch. I casual picture, night is like. How are those two people the same? How are you? How is he so good at understanding how human beings should look? And also, I cannot picture him looking like a human being. That's I, so I, weird. I picture him the way that a lot of people picture uh, David Byrne. Uh, I've heard this a lot about David Byrne, about sitting in a full white room uh, wearing yes. just tidy whiteies and eating cottage cheese. Like, that's pretty that's much all exactly what I imagine for Tom Cruise. Uh, although, interestingly, like, during the is it the new Mission Impossible that he was filming in London over the last year or so, mm-hmm. like, he does, like, go do things. He's, like, kind of a man about town, at least in London, which I thought was really weird. Like, well, he went London's to- hot. He went, oh, I know, it's my favorite city in the world. But, like, he went to, like, a tennis match and, like, was spotted, like, out at bars and, like, whatever. And I don't know if that's just him saying yes to other people inviting him out or what. But it's still, like, a thing. Also, I I think, I don't know if he's dating Haley Atwell, but she's been, like, popping up in his life a lot recently. And I hope that she is able to use this to, like, get the fame and attention that she really, truly deserves. But also, like... Please be careful. Scientology yeah. is scary and bad and a cult. Holy shit. <laughs> uh, damn, Why are you pulling me? I'm right. Um. <laughs> oh, no, I'm just I'm just amazed. She still looks she's always fucking fine, man. Uh, <laughs> Don't even get me started. I think the last question I was going to ask. So what do we make of 60 year old Tom Cruise? putting his life on the line for us moviegoers and after these next two mission impossible movies what the hell is he going to do is he still going to keep risking his life for us or or is he going to go to the old folks home the second question you asked is way more interesting the first question is like he gets paid enough to do it and wants to and that's good enough for me like touche uh touche I mean, I yeah. think it's it's a great opportunity for him to go back to adult dramas. Mm-hmm. Like he I kinda, fucking wish. He kind of did some, like, starting out, and, like, that was kind of his thing out of the gate before he became, like, action man. And, like, now I feel like he's got enough of a built-in fan base that if nothing else, like, women could be like, do you want to go see this movie? Tom Cruise is in it, and their husbands are going to say yes. Which is, like, <laughs> not a base that he had before when he tried to do the adult drama thing. The other thing is, like we said, he's, like, a very naturalistic actor. Like, I think he could pull off some really cool stuff. Remember when we watched Closer for the pod? Yeah. I could see that. Just wedge Tom Mm. Cruise in there as, like, sadly stalking. Is it Natalie Portman who's in that movie? Just sadly stalking Natalie Portman. I'm into that. I could see that being a really cool role for him. But, I'm like, a it. Nancy Myers-esque older people dating movie sounds pretty good <laughs> for Tom in, Cruise. in a Nancy Myers-esque, like, he would still end up being the Keanu Reeves. So he could oh, still absolutely. feel like yeah. he's, like, the young, hot shit. But, like, yeah. He's dating no. Jennifer Connelly, an, an age-appropriate lady. <laughs> yes, uh, except everyone's acting like their age difference is disgusting and horrifying. <laughs> but, like... Yeah, no, I don't I don't know. Like put him in some like adult dramas or even a comedy where he plays the straight man. 
Like I've been thinking a lot recently about Nancy Myers' seminal classic, Something's Gotta Give, that I watched well, with sure. my mom for the first time when I was like 12 in a hotel room. I should not have been watching that movie, but it was fine. I was 12 with my mom. Shout and out like, to the full frontal. Oh, yeah. Also, also just shout out to Jill for being like, you're 12. It's fine. And I was like, OK. Um, shout out to Jill. Oh, yeah. Jill's the MVP. A lot of the things that I am are because my mom chose to invest in them. So I was like, oh, I quite enjoy this one Queen song. And she was like, do you want to make Queen your entire personality? I can make that happen for you. Um, Hell yeah, brother. Yeah. So uh, shout out to Jill for that, I guess. But uh, so I just remember watching that and being like, the fact that Alec Baldwin is the straight man in a movie mm-hmm. with Steve Martin is a really funny to me. And sure. like, I feel like Tom Cruise could do that. He has it in him. He does. And, like, I think some of it is that he won't let himself do it. I was going to say, I think the bummer answer to your question, Marcus, is that he he goes fully in Neeson and goes into Taken World. That's my oh, no. that's my that's my realist guess about what Tom Cruise does is he refuses to give up on action guy and but rides even, it too hard. Even Liam Neeson has breaks from action guy. He's in totally. love, actually. Like, no, I, and, I agree. I would yeah. love him to go that way. I just don't think he will. My hope is that if if he is dating Haley Atwell or if she is just his friend at a certain point, it doesn't matter, that he perhaps is able to be reasoned with because she is a really interesting performer where she's like done the MCU and those are her only real breakthrough film roles. She's also Cinderella's mom in the 2015 Cinderella. But like she doesn't like do a lot. She mostly does theater and acts in the big movies when she wants to. And like, I think there's a chance that someone, maybe it's her, maybe it's somebody else, gets through to Tom Cruise and is like, all right, bitch, win a Tony. And that just becomes his next, like, I'm going to learn to fly a plane. It's like, I'm going to learn how to become the gentleman suitor in Funny Girl on Broadway. And that just becomes his, like, his next thing. I'll subscribe to this. All that sounds good. Is it possible that, so if I told you in the last 20 years... And if you're looking at his this, uh, filmography, don't look at it for a moment. If I told you in the last 20 years he's made no dramatic movies, would that be a real surprise? No. His last like regular like dramatic movie, you could argue, is Valkyrie? fucking Vanilla. Uh, that had a little action in it, I thought. It it um, does. It's it's lower key. That that's my last thought of Vanilla Sky. I guess yeah, for sure. 2000 fucking one. That's crazy. That is crazy. But also, like, I think there's going to reach a point where the ceiling is going to drop or or perhaps the floor is going to drop out from under him where he's going to realize, like, my body can't do this. Mm -hmm. And he's going to have to decide if he's going to literally work himself to death or if he's going to make some fucking money doing the thing that Benedict Cumberbatch does when he isn't Doctor Strange. And, like... (laughs) If he's going to make a couple respectable 20 to $40 million movies oh, where he just like is a guy or if he does something different like theater or if he does something mm-hmm. like in that arena. And like if you if someone came up to me and said, well, Daniel Craig is on Broadway right now. Daniel Craig is on Broadway oh. as Macbeth. This is the fifth revival of Macbeth we've had in 15 years. And you know what I say to that? <laughs> Good. Hell Let- yeah, brother. Let that man 
bathe in the blood of his enemies that are not actually <laughs> his enemies. The real enemy is his wife. Like, let it happen. I'm here for it. Um, and, like, if Tom Cruise just, like, shows up one day and is like, motherfuckers, I'm a fellow, I'm going to be like, okay, I really need you to think about the racial sensitivity of that, but also <laughs> I will give it a fair shot, honestly. <laughs> That'd be crazy. Well, like, or, no, you know what? Hear me out. Prospero and the Tempest would be perfect for him because oh, it's, yeah. it's very 100%. naturalistic. But all of a sudden, yeah. there are these flares of anger. He's the closest thing to having action in that. Like, I think that could be really strong and powerful for him. And like, just something so completely different that everybody stops thinking about Mission Impossible and Scientology and just thinks about like this man. And the thing that I really liked about Top Gun Maverick is it shows us that he, like, knows it's still in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The scene with them in the bed, I was just like, damn, like, this is just, like, a very charming, likable man. Totally. I mean, maybe he goes back to Tropic Thunder comedy. Like, that'd be, I, there's a, that's, <laughs> that'd be super fun of, like, but again, that requires, I think Tom Cruise, I think Tropic Thunder was a fluke, and it requires Tom Cruise to, like, not think he's the greatest and be able to, like, poke fun at himself and i don't know if he has yeah. um, well, so i i like do wonder it. though if if the way that we frame this is going obviously you're the greatest at this what else can you be the greatest at sure like yeah. i think i think everything for him is gonna have to be a challenge for the rest of his life he learned how to do a halo jump to do mission impossible like why why would you do that what if someone was like i bet you can't reform scientology I bet you can't dance eight shows a week on Broadway. Hilarious. Like, and all of a sudden, Tom Cruise is, like, doing How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying. Eight shows a week, the most intense choreography you've ever be- seen. Like, I think we just need to, and, and by we, I mean, like, his, his people, need to, yeah. like, challenge him in some way to think outside of what is Tom Cruise. Yeah. Because like, like even Liam Neeson has those romance roles. I should not say that his role in Love Actually is romantic. It's not, it's pretty bad. But he's you know, in it and you doing, know, having fun. Yeah, and, and like Laura Linney's love interest in Love Actually is in 300. That's his only other acting title. So like, you can do both. We have clear evidence. Come on, oh, Tom Cruise. So in. Come on, take our breath away. <laughs> Got him. And with that, I'll see you guys later. Uh, <laughs> Good night, everybody. Play me off, Paul! Follow Cat at Cat underscore Chinetti on Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Follow Marcus at Show and Mad Love on Twitter and Letterboxd. Follow the show on Twitter at Cat and Mark. Be sure to read us at catseasmovies.tumblr.com and themarkrob.wordpress.com. This podcast is executive produced by Kellen Conley and Eric Greenlee. Thanks for listening. We should do this again sometime. This is a hyphen podcast production. Are you not entertained? about what's it really about
What genre does it hit? What, what like, it's like, like the spine? The spine, Like one sentence? Like no, I don't, don't fucking, boy meets girl, I don't give a shit about that. Fuck boy meets girl, fuck motorcycle movie. No, what is really being said? What's really being seen? That's what you're talking about. Because the whole idea, man, is subversion. You want subversion on a massive level. You know what one of the greatest fucking scripts ever written in the history of Hollywood is? What? Top Gun. Oh, come on. Top Gun is fucking great. What is Top Gun? You think it's a story about a bunch of fighter pilots? Yeah, it's about a bunch of guys waving their dicks around. It is a story about a man's struggle with his own homosexuality. That's serious. That is what Top Gun is about, man. You've got Maverick, all right? He's on the edge, man. He's right on the fucking line, all right? And you've got Iceman and all his crew. Right. They're gay. And they are. They represent the gay man, right. all right? And they're saying, go. Go the gay way. Go the gay way. He could go both ways. What about Kelly McGillis? Right? Kelly McGillis, she's, she's, she's heterosexuality. She's saying, no, 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 no. Go the normal way. Play by the rules. Go the normal way. And they're saying, no, go the gay way. Be the gay way. Go for the gay way. All right? That is what's going on throughout that whole movie. He goes to her house, right? All right? It looks like they're going to have sex. You know, they're just kind of sitting back. He's taking a shower and everything. They don't have sex. He gets on the motorcycle, drives away. She's like, what the fuck? What the fuck is going on here? Right. Next scene. Next scene you see her. She's in the elevator. She is dressed like a guy. She's got the, the cap on, she's got the aviator class, she's wearing the same jacket that the Iceman wears. She is, okay, this is how I gotta get this guy. This guy's going towards the gateway. So I gotta bring him back. I gotta bring him back from the gateway. So I'm gonna do that through subterfuge. I'm gonna dress like a man. Alright? <laughs> that is how she, she she approaches it. Right. Okay. But the real ending of the movie is when they fight the medics at the end. Alright, because he has passed over into the gateway. They are this gay fighting fucking force, alright? And they're beating the Russians. The gays are beating the Russians, alright? And it's over and they fucking land and Iceman's been trying to get Maverick the entire time. Finally he's got him. Alright, and what is the last fucking line that they have together all hugging and kissing and happy with each other? And Ice comes up to Maverick and he says, Man, you can ride my tail! It is time! And what does Maverick say? Maverick, you can ride my sword bike! Sword bike! Sword bike! Fucking it, man! Happy Pride Month, fuckers.